Hey, Haley. Yeah, Alyssa? Are you ready to change the narrative around women's sports? Let's do it. You are listening to Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski, and this is the Iron Women Podcast, a production from Lip Feisty Media. Haley and Alyssa are longtime professional triathletes and coaches. Between them, they have completed more than 50 iron distance races and just as many 70.3s. Their accomplished careers include nine professional wins and one fastest known time. Haley, do I have to tell the listeners how many of those wins are mine? Nah, we'll keep that between us. The Iron Women podcast has a Patreon community which helps support our podcast. If you love the podcast, check us out at patreon.com forward slash livefeisty. And don't forget to tell a friend. Now, let's get to the show. athletes, we should all be committed to fueling our bodies with products we are confident in. At Iron Women, Noon Hydration is our go-to. Committed to clean hydration, a clean planet, and clean sport, Noon Hydration shares our values and we are proud to use Noon Hydration on and off the race course. Plus, it tastes good. My favorites are the Watermelon Noon Sports Tabs, Citrus Mango Noon Endurance, and then warming up some Noon Rest before bedtime. Noon Hydration offers the Iron Women community a 30% discount at noonlife.com with the code IRONWOMEN. That's N-U-U-N life.com with the code IRONWOMEN. Hi, Haley. How are you this week? Alyssa, I'm pretty good. I can't complain about too much. How are you? I'm doing okay as well. I feel like the need to share that I participated in a virtual running event this last weekend. And Haley, I i mean, I can confirm, not confirm or deny this, but the virtual racing app that I used said that I ran a my first mile in four minutes and nine seconds. So I just thought that maybe I should be announcing my either retirement from sport and or also progression into the Olympics from here. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm taking this platform this week to do that, I guess. I haven't decided. Maybe next week I'll tell you which which way I decide to go with my life from here. That is a very impressive time. Are you going to put that in your Instagram profile, in your Twitter profile as well? Mile PR 409, is that what you said? Yeah, 409. It. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was such a great day for running, I guess. You know, I like, I turned the app on and it was actually... I think maybe Garmin should look into doing this too, or Polar or whatever watch you use. Maybe every time I hit a mile split, I was running a 5K. And um, every time it, it told me that I was a mile down, you know, on the course, it picked a different like music and it would play the music for me too. And then every now and then I heard like Yabba Dabba Do, like the Fred Flintstone. It was just like random times, like random encouragement, which I really appreciated because, you know, for a virtual race, you're out there by yourself just needing some encouragement. And Having though the like a little jam session every mile was really good, especially when I did. I I ran that first mile in 409. I think my second one I slowed down a little bit to like 513. And then I, I really backed off, I guess, for the third one because my 5K split ended up being 1845. But um it was also I should I will say that I was doing this in the middle of like a workout. I think my actual when I was looking at my watch was like a, a 22 minute 5K. So <laughs> so I was going to ask if you like caught up. So like you actually ran 1845. So overall it might've skewed a little fast. Technology has its limitations. Yeah. So for everyone out there who might be a little bummed when you're looking through virtual race results, like how are these people so fast? Yeah. Like blah, blah, blah. Then just know that sometimes technology is, you know, I was on a team with other people and we decided it's okay because mine was like four minutes or so fast and hers is like four minutes or so slow. So we figured it balanced out in the grand scheme of our team score. Um, but I don't know, hopefully that sort of tracking app isn't used for anything, anything major, because we'll just say that's it's a little bit skewed. <laughs> I'm glad that for the Olympics, for some of these big races, they do have, 
pretty sophisticated timing. So I'm glad that that exists and pretty sophisticated race measuring. I think that tracks are, are pretty, I've seen at least in pools them using like lasers to make sure the pool's the right distance. So I imagine they do something similar with tracks, but I do, we can joke about the limitations of technology and how you know something's totally off. I still think it does more good than bad. It got you out there, got a friend out there, got you to run. You probably listened to some good music. And um, so maybe that is a good thing. But yeah, I would suggest that like maybe the next time you are on a 5K, that course that has been measured, don't try to go out in 409. That's where you'll get yourself in trouble. I mean, how long would I even make it at that pace? But I, you know, there was like a small part of me after it dinged for that mile and like gave me, I think it was, um, getting jiggy with it was the song that I heard at mile one and that was playing. And I was like, you know, I mean, actually there's like a tiny, tiny part of me that was like, maybe that this is right. And like my watch has been wrong all this time. And then I was like, no, Alyssa, just keep running. You're doing okay, even if your first mile was not a 409. But so that was probably the most exciting time of my week, Haley. Um, What's been going on in Bozeman? I don't have much else exciting to add. I think it rained a lot. Now it's sunny. And Cowboy and I have been going on a lot of walks. And I had a good track workout. It was not quite as fast as 409, but it was decent enough that I like made the intervals, which I haven't done in a while. So I was actually pretty happy about that. And maybe that's something we don't talk about as much, but I have struggled a little bit, I guess, with the like hitting running paces. And part of that is also because I was running so much six months ago. And so I can't expect myself to uh, be doing exactly that amount of or those running splits that I was doing six months ago when I was focused on running compared to now when I have added in swimming and cycling. So your expectations change a bit. And I did take a break after trials. So there is that progression back, but it was nice to see times that I was, uh, you know, somewhat pleased with, I mean, again, we're not talking about the, my best times ever, but at least they were times that I feel like I should. And so, um, I'll celebrate that, that, one little mini, um, victory there of actually like making the splits that my coach wrote for me because that doesn't always happen. Were you back on the track in preparation for the smash fest queen virtual, um, 4th of July race that's coming up on some people's calendar. I know, I think I'm signed up for that one. Um, I, I don't think it comes with an app that tells you you're running four minute mile pace, unfortunately, but, um, I, I think I have been keeping speed work in my routine lately to, because I, I signed up for the four mile or I'm planning to do the four mile virtual race. So I'm pretty excited about that. Are you taking part in that? I am. I think I might do the eight mile option and I, I feel like I can go for hard eight miles. I'm, I'm, I'm scouting my course. I think I have an idea about the course. It will not be a fast course, but it's going to be fun, I think. And I'm a little, it's like nervous excitement. I do love these virtual races because I get a little bit of nervous excitement for it. Uh, I don't know if my track speed is going to really like help me as much, but it will help actually. Yes. I, I, I take that back. I think it will help even with eight miles on a challenging course. Have you found your course for your four miler? So we're actually, Matt's family is going to be in West Virginia for the weekend. And so we're headed out there. And so it's going to be like, we're going to pick a route and do a, um, everyone's going to do like an equalizer. We're submitting times. It's going to be like this long involved process. Um, And I think we're actually picking a pretty challenging route because it's in the mountains in West Virginia. So it's going to be hopefully up my alley because I'm super competitive and I want to race hard, even if it's like a virtual family racing style thing. So, um, yeah, I think you have the whole family doing four mile, a four mile race on the 4th of July. At least they've told me that they are all doing it. So I'm hopeful that everyone's doing it, but it is it's Matt's family. So I think he's he's duped everyone into it by now. Um, And yeah, I think we're it's going to be be the best way to kick off our 4th of July. I think it's his dad's birthday, too. So it's going to be like birthday, 4th of July, virtual family run day. And when you say equalizer, would this be like. Matt gets a head start and then you chase him down. Well, no. So our plan is to have everyone submit what they estimate their like 5K time to be right now. And so then we're going to like map that out to the four mile distance and then basically start. So like the person whose time would be the longest starts first. And then that's why I said Matt should go first. Well, no. Oh, so (laughs) 
okay, you missed my joke. I was like, Haley, I would never catch him. Like, what do you, but actually I think right now I'm, I'm like pretty fit and he's getting fit. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to suss out a route that could like give me a prayer, um, or something, but I think pride will get to the better of him. He would like never let me actually catch him, but it is going to be, I think it's going to be super fun, but we are also, I should say having a clause because I'm so competitive and I'm like worried about all of this all the time whenever there's a competition that there's going to be a clause that if you clearly submitted a false 5k like guess then you're going to be disqualified so you're going to have to like manage to actually finish close enough to your predicted time type of thing otherwise you're disqualified and we will be looking at um splits if we need to to make sure like you didn't run fast and then wait just so your time's like close there's gonna be a lot of policing of the results for for a a family event but I mean what else do we have going on these days so I'm I'm taking on all that responsibility I'm excited you almost made me want to do four miler instead of the eight miler but the eight miler is more in line with my training so I'm sticking with the eight miler and I guess if anyone else wants to join us in our virtual fourth of July four miler or eight miler smashfestqueen.com you can sign up it's a, it'll be a fun time. I do love the community part of it afterwards when you get to chat with everyone and you're like, how is your race? Even though they're done in so many different places and at so many different times and everyone's running on a different course, there's something about that camaraderie and community afterwards that it did make it very fun the last time I did it. So I'm excited about this one. And four and eight miles are both something that not a lot of people have PRs in. So it's like pretty automatic. You can hopefully maybe PR and like see what you can do for that distance. It's always fun to race different distances. Find a totally downhill four miler and just like hammer it. Um, but no fun things. And then I hear, well, I heard that you went open water swimming this morning. So I need to ask, did you one, use your new Orca swim run wetsuit and two, have you used your form swim goggles outdoors lately? I don't think the GPS works yet outside, but that update is coming soon with the form swim goggles but how was your open water swim yeah Haley I've gotten in twice these last couple weeks and so last week I tried out my orca swim run wetsuit and I really liked it I thought it was very comfortable um you know it's definitely different than like your standard wetsuit buoyancy feeling but um I can see how for the sport of swim run it's just definitely what you want, like a little bit of buoyancy. It's not quite as buoyant for your lower half, but you'll be swimming with that pole buoy anyway. So, you know, I think um, the like difference in materials is actually quite nice there. And then super flexible, easy to pull on and off. So I, yeah, I give that a rave review and I'm excited. I'm Matt and I actually signed up for Swim Run North Carolina in October. Um, They aren't like, they're basically on hold waiting to see if that event will happen and if the park is going to get permits and things like that. So, but if it's a go, um, I plan on, on racing a proper swim run event there in October. So I'll be excited to use my Orca swim run wetsuit. And did you try running in it? So I did like a little job. So you, where I swim, you get out onto these floating docks. So it's like very unstable. So I felt like that was good training for swim run. And then, um, there's like a gravel ish, kind of driveway. So I did do like a little mock, but it was probably only maybe even 50 yards is like dramatic, I guess, but just to see how it would feel just to make sure it was like nice and flexible, but it was great. And how about the swim form swim goggles? Did, have you given those a try in open water yet? I guess even just for the timing part. Yeah. So I had been using those a lot when I was doing my tether swimming, um, before pools were opening and I did, I used them in open water. I, I have, I'm eager to like have that GPS update to get the distance calculations because where I swim, we all like have estimated the length of this body of water to be about 150 meters. But, um, you know, some people say it's long, some people say it's short. So I'm really eager to use those, those form swim goggles to be able to give people the the precise length of what we have been swimming. Um, and, but I do, I like having an open water, just that constant screen with the clock going because it, definitely helps me keep swimming and not try to do that thing where you like take a stroke. And then as you're pulling it back, you just actually lift your hand up and look at your watch and like try and catch a glimpse of the time. And you're like, how long have I been out here? Like, it's nice just to have it in front of you. And then you, you keep focused on swimming a little bit more. That is the worst when you're like, I've been out here for like three hours and it's like, nope, you've been out here for 45 seconds. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is like it 
it's crazy how open open water swimming works that way. But form swim goggles, we are super happy to have them as a podcast sponsor. If you want to learn more about those goggles, you can check out formswim.com. That GPS update for open water swimming is coming soon this summer. I mean, and this is like the second day of summer we're recording this, so it's got to be coming soon. And then um, orca.com, if you are interested in a swim run wetsuit or any kind of wetsuit or um, definitely go to he- head to orca.com, check out what they have and use the code ironwomen15 for 15% off your purchase. All right, Haley, we actually don't have any mailbags this week, but if people have questions they want to an- us to answer, um, please send those into our mailbag, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll take a stab at that in coming weeks. I did hear there was some feedback on your piano playing from last week's episode. Our, I got some positive feedback. I think some folks really enjoyed your piano playing. And so we did put out that open call to any of our listeners who play a musical instrument. This was inspired by our interview with Elizabeth Beisel a few weeks ago when she played the violin for us. And then Alyssa followed up with some piano playing. If you can send us a 30-second clip of you playing an instrument, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. We might tack it on to the end of an episode. I'm or you can just send us questions. I'm so excited to see what we get. But yes, use use the mailbag, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And Haley, can you tell our listeners who we are chatting with today? Today we are chatting with Rachel Jastrzebski. Rachel raced as an age grouper with Alyssa and myself and started racing pro in 2013. During her pro career, she's landed several top 10 Ironman and 70.3 finishes. And Rachel returned to professional racing after the birth of her first child. And she finished eighth at Ironman Lake Placid in 2018, only to find out she was actually pregnant with her second child. Rachel's experience with two pregnancies and maternity leaves so close together and her continued desire to race at the highest level inspired her to reach out to USA Triathlon to inquire about their pregnancy policies for elite elite athletes. The response she received was both surprising and encouraging. So we're excited to share Rachel's story right after the break. triathlon is certainly hard on your skin without a doubt. That was Teresa Helsel, dermatologist PA and accomplished triathlete. Earlier this year, Teresa came on the podcast to offer skincare advice specific to triathletes. Teresa's two biggest tips were to avoid sunburn and chafing. And luckily, Iron Women podcast listeners get 15% off all Zelio skincare products, including Sun Barrier SPF 45 zinc-based sunscreen and Betwixt Athletic Skin Lubricant and Chamois Cream. Use the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com for 15% off and use Zelios products to protect your skin during all your swim, bike, run fun. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. So this is our first question. It's like becoming a bit of our new normal, which is, I guess, a little bit unfortunate, but it has been interesting to hear the different differing experiences people are having in our current time. So how are things currently in your area with COVID-19 and what has life been like for you throughout this time? Yeah, it's been uh, interesting more so because I work at a boarding school. Um, so we had to send a boarding high school. So we had to send all the kids home and then we're doing the virtual learning experience. And I, I was actually coaching cycling virtually. Uh, so we would do like group trainer rides virtually that was kind of fun. I had a lot of my kids show up with like gorilla outfits on, on their trainers. Um, they're just like a really fun group to coach. Uh, so that part has been really interesting. I think that we actually live in a pretty awesome place to be a, and have like be in this global pandemic because we're in rural New Hampshire. Um, there's I think zero cases in our local hospital right now. Um, and we live up on the top of a mountain. So we only have five houses on our street. It's really easy to get outside. We have trails right up the street from us that aren't super popular, uh, populated. Um, so it's, yeah, I mean, it's not, I think relatively speaking, I have a lot of siblings that live in cities, uh, and hearing their experiences. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for where we, where we live and like grateful that we are healthy and, um, still able to be active. Uh, the only really big bummer is that our pool is closed until September and our lakes are not that warm yet. Um, so, and I'm kind of a, a little bit of a wuss about cold open water swimming. So I'm going to have to fuck up a little bit and, and get over that. 
you need someone on a in a gorilla suit cheering you on <laughs> saying oh, I'm gonna, you know. yeah I'm gonna recruit my team tell them that they have to come out to the lake and cheer for me in an open water swim in their gorilla suits those are some creative kids I have not seen that yet that is very impressive and Rachel, you've been racing in the professional field for a long time now. And so we do have some questions about your career. But first, we do want to kind of talk about some recent exciting developments that you've had um, with USA Triathlon, or you've been a part of. And you wrote a blog post recently about this. And it kind of started with, with family planning, where you were talking about your journey to have children and create, start a family while racing as a professional triathlete and how things didn't go as planned, which I think is a very, very common story. Can you kind of lead us through that a little bit, the initial, the initial, uh, step away from triathlon? Yeah. So, uh, I started racing professionally in 2000, oh my gosh, 2013, I guess. Um, and it was right. I actually started racing professionally right after my husband and I got married at our wedding, my husband was like, hey, when are we, uh, we going to start having kids? I was like, oh, my gosh, you need to give me at least three years. Um, so he was sort of like on this. He was his his clock was ticking, not so much mine. Uh, but, uh, you know, as those three years started to tick down, I started really thinking like, oh, you know, I really I really want to have kids as well. Um, but it, it was also it just never seemed like a great time with triathlon and career. And I was finishing up some graduate school work and stuff. Uh, so I felt like we just kept putting it off and then I kept getting injured and I kept looking for that elusive, like great season before we had kids. And I think a lot of the reason I was looking for that, that great season before kids was I knew based on a lot of my friends' experiences that our lives could completely change post kids. And I, I, you can't possibly predict what it's going to be like. So I didn't know post kids, what my relationship with triathlon was going to be. Um, so I wanted to make sure I felt like fulfilled in triathlon before kids, uh, in case like I, it just, it wasn't as important to me anymore. Um, so we like that, the whole injury thing kept happening. I finally came back from injury, um, at Ironman Arizona. And then we had our daughter, Annabelle in 2017. Uh, so my whole plan, I was like, okay, had my daughter in 2017. I'm like, I'm kind of a planner. So I had it all like figured out in my head, which is exactly why it didn't go that way. Um, so I was like, okay, I have eligibility until the end of 2019. I'm going to get back and have a strong 2018, 2019 season. Uh, and then, and then we'll think about having another one. And I was like, okay, if I have these two really strong seasons and then we have another one, then I'm okay with taking like a huge step back from triathlon and maybe, having it be a much, much, much lesser role in my life. Um, cause then with two kids, it just seemed like really difficult. Um, so, so yeah, I, I did come back really strong in 2018 post baby. I felt like I recovered from baby really well and our family was doing pretty well with it, uh, and kicked off the season really well. I raced a half Ironman, then I raced, um, Ironman Lake Placid right before Ironman Lake Placid. I was talking to my husband and I was like, you know, I'm getting a little bit dizzy, kind of like I did when I was pregnant with Annabelle. And he's like, no, that's ridiculous. You're, there's no way you're pregnant. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. I'm just tired because of all the training for Ironman. Um, I went and did the race. I finished eighth. And what was kind of hilarious was my husband knows me really well. And he, um, we, he kind of like holds me accountable in, in a great way. So after the race, he was like, you know, I thought your bike split would have been better. Um, and so yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. It wasn't a great bike for me, but I was, I was still really happy with my performance. Uh, so then a week after the race, I was like, gosh, I'm really hungry and like tired and I'm not training at all. I'm recovering. And I took a pregnancy test and sure enough, pregnant. And then I was like, Hey, how about, about how about that bike split now? <laughs> he was like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we had, so we ended up having, um, Corbin and, and that was, I mean, I, I obviously love my son and, and it was so exciting to have a second one and, it, and it's been so awesome to have them close in age, but it was still uh, really hard to come to terms with um, my athletic career, maybe not coming back, maybe it not looking the same as what it used to. Um, 
just a lot of uncertainty in what my, what I was going to be able to do athletically and, and if I was going to even want to. Um, so, yeah. Rachel, did you ever feel like at the time, like, you know, maybe going into baby number one and, you know, after baby number one kind of thing that the, there was like the stress of just feeling pressure to like fit your athletic career into that timeline. Like, do you think that affected your performances or like in hindsight, have you ever, have you looked, been able to look back and feel like that was kind of affecting your triathlon performance? I, I think it did in a couple different ways. Like I, do you mean like before Annabelle, like before I had either of them? Yeah, just even, you know, you say you're a planner, right? So it's like, and I know like so many triathletes are, will be like, you know, I need to have that ideal season, then I can have the, you know, and so just the stress of having to have that ideal season seems like a lot to carry into a season. Yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself, um, I think, in those Pre, like years before Annabelle, uh, I was like, I, I, like, I didn't want to wait for injuries to heal. I wanted to get right back into it. Cause I was like, I've got to get back and do this race. Um, because I know that we want to have a family and we, we wanted to have a family somewhat young. Um, so it, it just felt like I needed to do it soon, but I also really wanted to race soon. So it just, yeah, it was a lot of pressure to on myself and by myself, um, to tr- sort of do it all, try to do it all. So you mentioned that USAT eligibility. And so I think the regulations do require the athletes to requalify for their pro license within three year windows. So once you qualified, you have three years to requalify. And a lot of the qualifications are based on a percentage compared to the winner. There's we've, we've gone through this many, many times on this podcast. It's rather complicated. We will, we'll link to that USAT uh, website in our, in our show notes for anyone who is interested. So with pregnancy and injuries, your timeline did end up being a lot tighter. What kinds of feelings and thoughts were kind of going through your head when you thought about that, that window that you have to be eligible to race as a professional? Yeah. So Annabelle was born in 2017 and I had raced a half Ironman earlier that year that qualified that requal like, or no, maybe it was, I can't remember now, but Annabelle was born in 2017 Corbin was born 2019. Um, so that's within that three-year window, two, two pregnancies, two births. On top of that, I broke my ankle right before Corbin was born, <laughs> um, which is a whole other story. Uh, so it was, it, it's a lot to come back from in two years, two pregnancies, two labors. And then if you think about um, pregnancy being nine months, but then breastfeeding is a year after the pregnancy and breastfeeding can result in like laxivity of your uh, ligaments because um, you're producing these hormones that make your ligaments a little bit more um, lax- laxative. I'm not even sure if that's the right word. Uh, so that can um, actually cause for a greater amount of injuries or greater risk of injuries in that in that time that you're breastfeeding. Um, and it's, it's sometimes difficult for different women to, uh, have their training uh, volume be high and keep their breast milk supply high. So if you're really committed to breastfeeding and you're committed to doing it for a year, which is what the American pediatric, um, association or American Academy of Pediatrics recommends, uh, then you're kind of like nine months plus a year timeline, uh, with being able to train really well or without any risk of injury. Um, and that's, that's definitely depending on the person. Like some people come back much easier. Some people it's much easier for their milk supply to, to stay high. Um, so it's, it's a lot of like timing to think about, uh, and a lot of, uh, like cost benefit analysis. Um, yeah. And so just to make sure our listeners are like really following along here, you snuck in the fact that you did break your ankle two weeks out from giving birth to your son. So once that would then be healed um, and you were recovered from, you know, giving birth to some extent, right? But like you said, probably still breastfeeding. It was going to be at least July, right? So then at that point, you're kind of at square one and you'd have essentially five or six months to get yourself into peak racing shape and requalify before the end of the calendar year. That's ignoring the fact that like, all the other ifs, ifs, ifs of what races would even be available at that time, right? Have Once you get yourself into shape. But this timing was like, 
probably highlighted as being tighter for you because as you said, you're a teacher and you mentioned in a blog post that you wrote about this, that you did have maternity leave from that job, right? So you were able to see the juxtaposition of like having the maternity leave there, but not from your triathlon job. So my understanding is that you initially called USA Triathlon and asked about the possibility for an extension. I know like we always kind of hear rumors, right? About like what what is possible and what's out there. So can you tell us a little bit about that like initial contact with USAT? Yeah, I called USA about an extension because I'd heard a rumor that pregnancy extensions were allowed. And, and for me, yeah, like I, July was really the first time that I was able to run. Um, and there also, there's new guidelines now about running after pregnancy. It used to be like six weeks you can run. Now they're recommending that you take longer to run after pregnancy. So it wasn't, I mean, the ankle I think was a lot to recover from. Um, it was a bad break. Uh, but it was kind of in the same timeline as recovering from the pregnancy as well. Um, so yeah, July, that good timeline in terms of like being able to start training hard ish again or returning back to training at least. Uh, and then, I mean, I've got July, August, and then I start teaching in September. My fall schedule is pretty hectic cause I coach cross country and, um, just boarding school dynamics. It's a lot in the fall. Uh, so I was thinking, I was like, gosh, if I'm going to get back, I'm going to have to train really, really hard these next few months to try to be able to do like a December race. And if I did a December race, like I'd have to put a lot into it. Um, there's a lot of stuff that would suffer from that in the fall. And I just wasn't sure if I, I would be able to make it happen and how much I would be kind of putting at risk to make that happen. Um, so yeah, I called USAT, asked them for an extension, and I was kind of uh, met with a lot of resistance. They, I was told that an extension like that had never been given before. Um, extensions were only given in extreme circumstances like military um, people that were uh, deployed. I later found out that that's actually not true. Um, so the, the USAT representative that I talked to in membership services was mistaken in terms of um, that what should have happened. I guess um, what should have happened is my case should have been under this like special consideration clause, but that special consideration clause, like it wasn't clear what the guidelines were for that. Like it wasn't clear uh, who might qualify for special consideration. Um, and especially like pregnancy didn't really seem like something that jumped out as, as being like a special consideration. So Rachel, I make sure I'm following this timeline, right? You, your son was born in early 2019, so you start running again, training again, July 2019, hoping to race in December 2019, but things are looking a little tight. So this is even before the coronavirus, and but all of this is going on. So so you get that that call or that that news from USAT, but then you you actually you took another step. You wrote a letter to USAT, to USA Triathlon, outlining your story and asking for consideration of change for future female pros. So this letter, you did publish it on your blog, and we will definitely link to that in our show notes for anyone who wants to read it. But you received a very different response than you were initially met with when you called. So can you tell us about that, the decision to, to take another step and, and try another avenue? Yeah, so I... I mean, I made, I kind of, uh, was under the assumption that I was not going to be, have an extension. I actually, I, I did requalify apparently, but I didn't know that at the time. Um, so I sort of was like, okay, my elite time is over. My pro career is over. And I, I made peace with that. I was like, I'll have extra time with my family. I can always requalify as an amateur if I really want to come back and race in the pro field. Um, but like, I'll be okay. Like I can make peace with this. Um, but I started thinking about like all the women that I know, that have kids that have, you know, struggled to come back after pregnancy, um, or have left. I've seen women leave the pro field altogether because they've had kids and, and it's just too much, or it's too much to try to get back in the, in the right timeline. Um, and it just, it made me sad. And I, I coach female athletes and I really want them to female high school athletes. And I want them to be able to achieve this high level in sport if they want to. Uh, so I reached out to USAT. I wasn't even sure if I was contacting the right person. Um, and I, I honestly did not expect to get a, to get a reply back. I, I told them my story. I told them, um, 
sort of why this three year timeline can be really difficult for women that want to have kids and uh, race and train at the elite level um, and sort of talk to them about, you know, why I was passionate about this particular question. And um, I, I got an email back from the person that I sent it to and it wasn't the right person. It was uh, someone in marketing. Um, but he was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to circulate your email internally. Uh, and then he just asked me, you know, can you give me your, um, your USAT number, et cetera. And then I got another email back saying that he was sending my, my letter to the CEO of triathlon and to the, um, general manager of high performance. And I was like floored. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe like that they're taking this so seriously so quickly. And like, how awesome is that? So the general manager of high performance, he called me shortly after that. And uh, he he was like, you know, this is actually really great timing because we're updating our qualification criteria now. And um, we're really happy that you kind of put this on our radar as being an issue. Uh, and I had, he, he, we talked a little bit about what I thought an extension should look like and what he thought an extension should look like um, and sort of how that should be handled. Uh, I was hoping for a 12 month extension. Um, he thought an 18 month extension was better. Uh, so it was even like better than I thought they would do. Uh, so I was just really, um, excited and happy with how quickly and efficiently and, um, like how much they listened to that feedback. And this is a new rule now for all women. This isn't just for you. Yeah. Yeah. This is all women will have like, I mean, you will have to kind of submit your case like to them, but um, yeah, there will be a special consideration for pregnancy and an extension of up to 18 months. If, if, if you are um, become pregnant within that three year period. And Rachel, you talked a little bit about how you saw some of your peers have kids and leave the, you know, professional racing or just not be able to to kind of find a way to do both after pregnancy and things like that. So, but also in the last few years, female athletes have become mothers and that has become like a massive spotlight in mainstream media campaigns like dream maternity are helping give women a larger platform from which we can stand on to create change. So was, you know, was something like dream maternity even inspirational to you to go like that one step further and just send that letter just to like, you know, get that out there. So you've said your piece. I was seeing a lot of stuff in the news more so about like athletes getting dropped from sponsors because they were pregnant. So that, that kind of motivated me a bit. Um, and it, it, like there was a friend, there were friends of mine too, that, um, they were going back into the elite field, but they were just struggling with like injury after injury after injury because of nursing, because of trying to come back too quickly and like pelvic floor core, not being strong enough, um, because they tried to get back quickly, uh, that then they were just, you know, battling injuries as they tried to get back quickly. Um, so I think the tough thing right now is there are a lot of women, a, a lot of female mothers in triathlon that are doing amazing things. Uh, I just don't want the expectation to always be that women rush back and have to get back quickly. Um, I think that for women's mental health, for their, uh, emotional well-being, for their mental well-being, for their physical well-being, they should be allowed time if they need it to get back. Um, cause it's, it's, it's not even just the physical part of it. It's like the, the time with your newborn that's, that's different for different mothers, um, postpartum problems. I had some of that myself. So it's, it's, a, it's all of it wrapped up in, in, in that time. Rachel, we want to read an excerpt of your letter to USAT. And in that letter you wrote, I am the kind of elite triathlete that brings home paychecks, but has not reached the top steps of the podium. This was not a career move for me, but rather a way to get the best out of myself. I have loved the challenge of racing in the elite field and being a part of an incredibly strong field of women. Testing myself against the best in the world has taught me a lot about myself. So on this podcast, we often encourage women to take their pro cards, even if it means that they might be finishing in the mid pack or back of the pack of the pro field versus the top step of the age group race. I think people often underestimate 
the quote unquote retirement or transition aspect from elite sport for, for those at the top step of the podium and also everyone else. So what does it mean for you now to have the ability to leave pro racing on your own timeline and on your own terms? Right now, I'm just, I'm so grateful to be able to continue racing for a little while uh, longer, however longer it, it works well for, for myself and my family. Um, it's, I love being a part of this group of women. I I've had so many races where I've finished like last pro and I'm like crying, walking through transition and other pro women that have like just met me or don't even know me that well. I'm going to like tear up now, um, are like coming around me and, and supporting me and encouraging me. And, uh, it's just, it's, it's so awesome to be able to be a part of that. Uh, and then I I've often told my students, my athletes, uh, my friends that, feel like you don't really know your own limits until you go up against the best. So I've, I've sort of used being in the pro field as a tool to see what my limits are, um, see if I can push them. Uh, and it's, it's been a really big blessing. And I, I feel like I'm hopefully maybe setting an example for my, for my daughter that she can, um, do this as well. And, and she can, you know, try to, uh, push herself and everything that she does. And, and she's pretty quickly going to surpass me. Um, so it'll, it'll be exciting to watch her grow and, and hopefully be a, you know, a good role model to her and, and the other women in my life. And Rachel, we're excited that you will be continuing to race. We all started kind of racing pro around the same time. And so we've all kind of been through the same, you know, evolution, I guess, of the sport with the women's side of things like changing, growing, struggling, and thriving. So do you have a favorite memory of your time racing so far? Oh yeah. I have so many. And like some of them are not from like the good races. (laughs) Like there's a, I mean, there was a race in Louisville where I walked every aid station of the run. Um, but I like it, but I don't know. I feel like I take something from every race. Like at that race, I got to like hang out with a lot of amateurs at the aid stations because it was, I was walking through them and, uh, I got to see like a different side of the race, but probably my favorite race ever would probably have to be Ironman Florida 2011. Cause that's where my, and that wasn't even when, when I was racing pro, but that was when my husband proposed to me at the awards ceremony. Cause we had both won our age groups. Um, but my favorite race experience as a pro was probably also Ironman Florida, which was in 2014. I was getting to race with my uh, favorite training buddy at the time. I have a lot of really great women training buddies. This woman and I were, were training a lot together at this time, and we were fourth and fifth. So I was uh, able to like hug her at the finish line, which was really cool. Um, and then maybe more in recent memory – Sorry, I have so many. Uh, 2018 Ironman Lake Placid. I finished eighth, so it wasn't my best finish. And oftentimes, like my, my best race memories aren't my best finishes. Um, but after kids, like I just had a new perspective on racing. Uh, I used to be in my own head a lot. Um, I got in my own way a lot. That's what my coach used to tell me. And uh, I just didn't have like the space for that anymore. Like I was so just wrapped up in, in having to provide for my kids and, and, um, kind of distracted by that, that I didn't have space to be in my own head. So I didn't get as nervous about racing anymore. Uh, so I raced better. And I remember after Ironman Lake Placid, uh, my husband, Brian came up to me after the race and he was like, you just looked like happy. He was like, you just looked so like excited to be racing and so happy to be racing. And, uh, that was a big turning point for me. Rachel, your career has had basically everything. You've been on the podium. You've finished last. You've had injuries. You've had comebacks. You've had pregnancies. I feel like any of our listeners can, or all of our listeners, can relate to something in your story. What is it about triathlon that has kept you coming back through the highs and the lows? I think that triathlon for me has, you know, it's it's like I love, I've always loved running, running, um, just the training for it comes easily for me. I never have to like really work myself up to get out for a run. Swimming is not that for me at all. And, uh, I remember when I was bad at math in middle school, my dad would tell me like, you've got to make your weakness, your strength. 
And I, I kind of love that triathlon has that, like you've got these three sports, you're not going to be the best at all of them. So you have this opportunity to make your weaknesses, your strengths. Um, and then you have also the opportunity to just kind of enjoy your strengths being your strengths. Um, not to say that you don't have to work on them, but, uh, yeah, I, and I like mixing it up. I actually got into triathlon because I was an injury prone runner. Um, so I started cross training because I was prone to injuries. Then I started to realize that I enjoyed the cross training a lot. Uh, so someone suggested I try a triathlon and, um, off we went. So yeah, it's, I like the, I like being able to mix it up every day, I guess. And Rachel, I don't even know if we can, if you will have an answer to this question. If you don't, that's fine, of course, because it's a world of uncertainty right now. But do you have a what's next? And like, are, are you able even to think about that given the state of the world right now? It's, yeah, it's tough. Like I had, and I, I was kind of like, gosh, I've gotten my opportunity to get back into racing now. Like, I'm so grateful that I was able to requalify when I didn't think that I was, that I had that anymore. Um, so I was really excited to race this year and then felt like that was like swiped out from under me once again. Um, so, but I'm, I'm kind of also no stranger to having to take a step back. So, uh, I think I'm sort of in my sweet spot here. Um, I was hoping to do Mont Tremblant 70.3. It's a race I've always wanted to do. That's no longer happening. So I'll have to wait for next year. Um, then I was thinking maybe Traverse City because I have a lot of family out in Michigan, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Um, maybe Chattanooga. I, yeah, it's it's tough to know. It's it's hard to it's hard to um, be training for something that you're not sure is actually going to happen. So right now I'm making sure that I do plenty of recovery. There's no point in burning out at the moment. Um, I'm making sure to get out on the mountain bike more. I'm trying to get a little bit better at trail running. I'm kind of a klutz. Uh, so I have some new, like I'm, I'm enjoying just training without some, without the pressure, uh, wish I could swim a little bit more. Um, and other than that, like trying to get on the mountain bike more and get maybe better at that. Maybe I'll do an Xterra someday, uh, and get out on the trails more, do more workouts with friends when we're able to distance enough. So, yeah. Do you ride, do you ride on zoom with your students while they're riding or are you more like, like in an instructor role? Yeah, we, we were doing like virtual cycling workouts where I would, um, be on the screen with them. It's the season's over now. So they're, they're uh, not subjected to this anymore. Um, but they would be on the screen too. And I would just kind of call out intervals as we went. So it was sort of like a spin class feel with me on there, but, um, it was funny the last, I was like, you know, this, this is really what you guys want to get out of it. Like, what do you guys want to do for our last cycling workout? And they're like, can we just watch YouTube videos and like eat ice cream on our bikes? I was like, all right, well, I can't like provide the ice cream, but you guys can sit on your bikes and eat ice cream and I'll, uh, we help, I'll try to come up with some YouTube videos. So they're just, they're just such a fun group of kids. They're such a joy to coach. Uh, cause they always, they just have great attitudes. I feel like that's like the definition of balance, like being able to sit on the trainer, watch YouTube videos, eat some ice cream. I mean, you're exercising while eating ice cream. That is like perfection of the times right now. Like that is how you handle things. Rachel, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Thank you for what you've done for all women in triathlon and USA triathlon. I mean, that's a huge, huge like thing that writing that letter and the selflessness that went into that. I know that there are tons of women out there who are just so thankful for you. And we are thankful that you also will be joining us again in the pro field whenever that does happen. Ironman Florida might have a pro women's field this year. Maybe if that happens, that sounds like one of your favorites. Maybe we'll see you there, but thank you so much. Thank you guys. Thanks. I, I don't feel like I did a ton, but it's, it's nice to be able to share my story with other women and hopefully they relate and hopefully, uh, I don't know, we can all kind of share our stories now and, 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 relate to each other more and, and uh, just create a better community. Iron Women is proud to be supported by Form Goggles in 2020. Form Goggles are the only swim goggles with a smart display that delivers metrics like split times, distance, pace, and more. And it's built right into the goggle lens. You can also analyze your metrics outside of the pool with the Form Swim app, because what triathlete doesn't love data? Head to formswim.com to learn more about the form swim goggles and pick up the missing link to your swim bag.
Alyssa, I'll admit that when you first sent me Rachel's blog post and I was reading it, I did not expect it to go the way it did for USA Triathlon to be so open to learning and examining their policies in place and taking action to make things better for athletes. I think so frequently we hear about governing bodies kind of doing things that we don't agree with. And so I'm really glad we got to take this time to talk to Rachel and celebrate USA Triathlon for taking that time, for talking to Rachel, for having those tough conversations and examining their policies. And I'm, I'm proud of Rachel for following up on that. I'm proud of USA Triathlon. And I hope that a lot of women do benefit because of their work. Yeah. So thank you for Rachel to, for coming on and sharing that with us. And also just thank you, Rachel, for investing your time in helping make those positive changes for our sport. And as always, if you are listening on your app of choice, feel free to take the time right now to rate and review us. That really helps us. Also, you can become a patron and a member of our Patreon community at patreon.com forward slash live feisty for as little as $2 a month. You can help us creating this content for you every single week. Alyssa, have a great week. Enjoy training for that virtual four miler. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye Haley. You have been listening to the iron women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Taylor Mahan Rudolph. Thank you to our sponsors, Zilio Skincare, Noon Hydration, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear, as well as the Live Feisty Patreon community. You can find websites and discount codes in our show notes or at ironwomenpodcast.com.